Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Sarah Richardson, CIO at NCH Healthcare System. In this segment, Richardson talks about how her team is leveraging technology to stay connected with seasonal patients, why CIOs need to treat security breaches as a when and not an if event, and the lesson in culture change she's carried throughout her career. Just hearing about the smart rooms and then everything you're doing with, with the devices, it's, it, it must be a really kind of a gratifying thing to see because it's like the focus has been laying on all this groundwork and to see you know, some of this technology really come to life is uh, something that I think would be really, is really beneficial for, uh, for the users. Well, it's fantastic because it allows the technology being a differentiator. That's how we look at it. And so how does technology allow our caregivers and, and physicians to provide better outcomes and to have the, the average length of stay, the healing environment, um, reduced readmissions, et cetera, all the things that you get measured for as an organization, but you really do care about because you want that patient to be, when they're in your hospital, because we always say here in our environment, nobody wants to spend the night in the hospital. Right. If you're going to be in a hospital and you're going to be at NCH, you already know that your caregivers have the latest technology at their fingertips, whether it's evidence-based order sets or it's they can securely text one another to make sure that when you ring that call light, there's somebody exactly at your bedside with what you need to um, sepsis prevention and the, how we continue to measure quality and be a top performer. You know that when you come here, we're going to take good care of you. And then when you leave the hospital through your portal, you're going to know all your results. You're going to be able to order a refill on your prescription. You're going to be able to connect with your physician through secure messaging as well. Like, you're always connected to the system in a wellness component both preventative, why you're here, and once you leave, we are really on your lifetime journey with you. Okay. So I was going to ask about, about the portal and kind mm -hmm. of uh, how, how that's something that, that you've been able to build out. Absolutely. So, you know, always the driver of meaningful use, we have to have these components. And so we took stage one very seriously. We, we qualified for stage one in our hospital system, and we absolutely um, did a great job. We met the metric for, for phase one. Well, as you go into, we've also qualified for stage two meaningful use, but as we sat down and we started to roll out phases of our portal, we're like, how can we make this seem like an engine? Like, how do you use your portal to be that, like, you know, first stop into your healthcare system? So we just had this week um, started teeing up all the pieces of phase two from um, a lot of the back-end stuff that people don't think is very fun, like the Google Analytics, the sort of what are people clicking on once they're in the portal, what do they care most about, radiology results, um, requesting um, different scheduling components, um, mm -hmm. secure messaging, which I'd also talked about, um, patient-friendly locators, that kind of information. But then the internal marketing plan. Like One of the things I've realized in any healthcare system I've ever been with is that quite often people within the hospital can be the least informed as a population about what it is you bring to the table. And so we've really worked on the internal marketing of all of our new initiatives, whether it's information security program, clinical endeavors, even our infrastructure and the things that we're doing to stay steps ahead of um, what applications are coming on board. Informing the users about what it is we do as an organization gives them that sense of pride to say, hey, I already knew we were good, but I didn't know how good we were. When you know how good the pipes are, you're a lot more inclined to tell more people about it. So the portal we're really excited about because we keep rolling out new functionality and working with our physicians, working with our patients, working with the Mayo Clinic to say, how do we get to phase two, three, four, 
and um, even pushing on Cerner to say, hey, here's what our patients are asking for, and can we be a development partner with you in, in adding new functionality so that this thing really is um, the best way to connect with us because half of our patients leave for season. You know, we have a huge seasonal influx, yeah. but come Easter, come Memorial Day, we're going to have 300,000 people leave Collier County for the summer, and how do they stay connected to NCH when they're not here? And especially since most of that population is an older population who potentially has greater ongoing health care maintenance needs. Right. Yeah, that, that's something that I can imagine is, is a big challenge when you're dealing with a really widely fluctuating population. And um, like you said, having the portal as an engine is something where you can kind of mm -hmm. hope to, you know, keep them more engaged um, even when they're not in the area, hopefully. Absolutely. And you think about the technology being um, useful for different populations, for example. And one of my favorite stories to tell is we have a couple of our volunteers. Most of our volunteers are, are, are older, and one of our ladies is in her 90s, and she is the sweetest lady, and she loves technology, right? She likes to text her grandkids and do the whole thing. And we have a story about her teaching a patient how to use the portal who was in their 80s. And she's like, oh, I'm just teaching the youngsters how to use the new technology. So we have a 90-year-old volunteer teaching an 80-year-old patient who's leaving the hospital how to get onto the portal to look at her records and make sure that she had what she needed. So it's pretty fun when you can engage everybody at every level of your community. Yeah. Looking at things like uh, analytics, is that something that that's also a priority too, just in other areas and just, you know, doing more with that data? It is. In fact, a huge initi initiative for us is um, analytics in terms of population health and how we want to continue to grow out that opportunity for us. Um, when you think about ways to really have um, more of an ACO type of environment and moving away from fee-for-service type of procedures, then the analytics around population health become very critical. And it's a big initiative for us right now. It's something we'll continue to um, flesh out through 15 and 16 and forward. Um, I'm relatively new to the team. They didn't have a CIO for over a year. And then we just hired our CMO. We had a gap in that leadership space as well. So he and I have spent, he's been on board about a month. I've probably spent more time with him than anybody else in the organization recently. So yeah, analytics and how we can, um, interestingly enough, keep people out of our hospitals is really our long-term plan because we know healthcare will move to more of an outpatient and home setting, and we are actively partnering to um, figure out how to make that happen, still be on the wellness journey with our population. It's just, you know, in the next few years you'll see services move out of hospitals, and we are keeping up with that trend. Okay. And then uh, before I kind of move on, I just want to make sure there's any other kind of like uh, big priorities on your plate. I know we've already mentioned quite a few. For me, information security is the thing that right. for my lifetime will keep me awake at night. Um, and we are building a very robust uh, security plan. And it's funny because presenting to the board recently, they said, okay, so what does this mean? And I said, it means we're still not secure. No matter what we do, it'll always be a when, not an if. And here's all the things that we are doing to be as secure as we possibly can, and here's that strategy. So we're very serious about um, security maturity and both informational and awareness, um, technology, policy, procedure, risk, access, education, all of those things are something that I make part of the fabric of the organization um, because your greatest risk is, is humans. I mean, you think about in any situation where somebody got into some of the recent breaches you've seen, it's um, been through either a phishing attempt 
or a system that you wouldn't, didn't necessarily touch clinical information, but it was still an entryway into the front door of the hospital. And they, none of them were on purpose. It was just human behavior that was um, allowed for a vulnerability. And so I make security something that everybody thinks about all of the time. And uh, we're making good progress on doing the right projects to keep our environment as secure as we can. And does that also include just having uh, those um, kind of procedures in place for when, you know, it, when something should happen? Um, also things like here's how to communicate. Um, I mean, does it go pretty, pretty detailed as far as, you know, what we have to do in the event that, that there is uh, any kind of breach? Absolutely. You think about the importance of having uh, data loss prevention policies in place, about having cybersecurity in place, about having up-to-date um, penetration testing, both from an internal and external perspective for vulnerability scans, having active HIPAA risk assessments, you know, a lot of what-ifing, and using, I always say that you're never, you're never collectively as smart, none of us is as smart as all of us, and don't even assume that it's just within our system. And we, we have all the resources available to us from Cerner, and we partner with them and have their security team down here a lot to say, hey, let's do this what-if scenario. But we also actively um, third-party audit ourselves with McGladry, and then we've got some feelers out with a couple other um, security agencies to say, hey, come in and look at our security model and tell me, is there a gap here? What do you think? Here's what we want you to find. Tell us what else you find. Build that gap analysis and roadmap with us. That's how active we are in uh, that pursuit to your point of, oh my gosh, what happens if? Yeah. All right. So obviously a lot, lot going on there. Um, now, but I wanted to also talk about you know, your background and uh, how the experiences you've had have you know, helped shape your leadership philosophy. And now, you said that you've been at NCH since November, and then you were mm -hmm. previously were CIO at HCA for about four years? Correct. I was with um, HCA for almost 10 years total. I had four roles with them in three different states, everything from a IT director at a local facility. Then I went into information security for about a year and a half, and then I did a program director at the corporate office in Nashville rolled out a shared services model for IT before going out into the, back into the field and doing about four and a half years for um, a division CIO role. Okay. So obviously uh, gained experiences in a lot of different areas, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and before that, I was at um, the county hospital in Las Vegas, University Medical Center. It was a trauma one indigent care teaching hospital for five years. And truly, it's sort of interesting being at NCH. I've taken my five years of not-for-profit experience with UMC, plus my corporate experience with HCA for almost 10 years. I've come to NCH, where it's a true hybridization of a not-for-profit healthcare system that has a corporate relationship with an IT provider. So I didn't plan my two worlds coming together 15 years right. later, but they absolutely have, and it's really been pretty the perfect alignment. I couldn't have planned it better, um, and yeah. I, it was sort of by accident, and it worked out great. Right. I <laughs> can only imagine how beneficial that is, having that, those two different worlds of experience. And um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about was culture change and um, just, you know, being able to, to kind of transform uh, the, the IT culture. And I wanted to talk about some of the experience you've had with that and kind of how that's, you know, benefited you. My favorite story to tell in that space, and it's happened twice actually, um, 
when I worked at the county hospital in Las Vegas, I had you know, walked into a place that had was always going to be in the red. There was never going to be a budget that really made sense, that worked for the county hospital there. And IT was going to be the last place on the, on the pipeline as far as who fits. Someone's going to get money in the budget at the end of the year. IT was last in line as far as what happened. And we got really, really creative at um, making things work. You know, in an ideal environment, you don't want 25 different desktop types and 30 different types of images and cobbled together, you know, network gear, but you get what you can you get what you can get in that environment. When I first got there, it was just a team that was they were they were union, they were um, kind of angry and didn't like the way things worked and just felt very unempowered. And um, after 5 years with them, there was no longer a union in the IT side of the house. Um, we still had about 25 different types of equipment and images, but they were standardized. And we, when we started to think about where can you make the biggest impact, how do you make your life easier, like how do you deliver the best value to the organization, the guys came up with a lot of creative things. And I said, you tell me that story, I'll get you the funding for that. Or as like I said, we're never, we're always going to have this ramshackle environment, but how do you make it better? You know, how do you work together as a team? And so I think that the most um, pressing tale out of all of that is bringing people together to help them achieve things they never thought that they could do, that were never possible. And I carried that with me everywhere I went. And the next big opportunity to do it was at uh, the Mid-America Division of HCA. I inherited a team who was incredibly talented. Again, high talent, high performers, etc. But they lived in a world of silos. And how do you bring all of those people together? And then right through that journey, we combined two divisions at HCA. We combined our Delta region, which was Louisiana, Mississippi, and we combined um, Kansas and Missouri to form Mid-America. So I went from eight hospitals in one city, essentially, to 15 hospitals in, in four states. And bringing those two teams together from a culture perspective, you had hardworking, hardcore, you know, Kansas City, Midwest, Missouri, Kansas, and then you had Louisiana, I had, and Mississippi, I had teams in New Orleans, in Lafayette, in Alexandria, in Gulfport, totally different perspective on the world, um, totally different um, point of view on, it was sort of a clash of the titans originally, like this side's like, I'm going to do it better than you, and the other side's like, I'm going to do it better than you, and I was like, okay, let's figure out how we do this together. And um, the one thing I will always do is I care about the people first. Before I care about the technology and, and all of the particulars of, of what IT is doing, it's, I know every single person's name. I know their birthday. I know their families. I know what they do for fun. I know what they want to be when they grow up. And when you take the time to connect with people on a personal level and you carve out time, like literally on the calendar one-on-one -on -one time, no matter how big your team is, um, that's where the rubber meets the road. Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at HealthSystemCIO.com backslash podcast.